Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Health Nerd Podcast, where every week we bring you fascinating conversations with the movers, shakers, and innovators in food, health, agriculture, and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Teresa Sam Houghton, Chief Nerd at the Modern Health Nerd. This week, I'm talking with Colin Tate, founder of KindCo, producer of Kind Find, a newsletter that curates the best plant-based and vegan products all across categories to help consumers find what they want and what they need and know that it's 100% vegan. We dig into the frustration that Colin felt when he first went vegan and couldn't find the products that he wanted or was confused by the fact that non-vegan companies were putting out products that were vegan, but the rest of their lines weren't. It's not a problem that's unique to Colin, for sure. I remember when I first went vegan that there was a lot of confusion whether, is this cheese vegetarian? Is this cheese vegan? Uh, What is a vegan clothing? What is vegan body care? And with KindFind, Colin's making sure that more people can have easy access to those curated lists instead of having to spend hours scouring Google for lists of quote-unquote accidentally vegan products and winding up confused like he did. Colin's also launching other products through the KindCo label, which we dig into during our conversation. But the overall goal is more visibility, more accessibility for these plant-based and vegan brands. We dig into that during this conversation, as well as the power of direct-to-consumer to further the plant-based movement. I don't want to waste any more time. I'd like to jump right in. Before we do, I'd like to remind you that if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and give us a rating and a review. If you like this episode in particular, share it with your friends and help them to find some more vegan and plant-based products. And now, my conversation with Colin Tate of KindCo. Well, Colin, welcome to the podcast. It is great to have you here on the Modern Health Nerd. Thank you. I appreciate it, Sam. I'm I'm really happy to be here and looking forward to diving into things. Great way to start off would be why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your background, what you're doing with KindFind, and what the inspiration was behind it. Because I've read the story on your website and I think it's really interesting. Yeah, you know, so um, as you mentioned, my name is Colin Tate. I am the founder of KindFind, which is actually one of the brands in, um, I guess, kind of like the KindCo umbrella. So KindCo is the parent company. um, And I'll talk a little bit about that mission later, but um, KindFind is a weekly newsletter uh, that uh, recommends or um, suggests products, vegan and plant-based products to people who are interested in that kind of thing. I send that out once a week. Um, And then I also um, have a job board, a recently released job board with uh, remote job listings at eco-conscious companies called KindWork. So um, as you can tell, there's kind of a theme there when it comes to my projects, Uh, kind being the first word and then whatever the adjective or noun uh, that comes after it. So uh, KindFind is all about helping um, with discoverability. It's for people looking for plant-based products, but it's also for companies who would like for their product to get some visibility amongst uh, a large audience who is their target audience, people who would purchase their products. And it was it was born out of frustration <laughs> and uh, kind of a rant that I went on um, with my wife about, I was new to veganism and I thought I had a firm grasp on what's vegan, what's not vegan, what's plant-based, what what isn't plant-based, 
But I had this assumption in my head that if a company produced a plant-based product, then ah, they must be a plant-based company and everything that they sell is plant-based or vegan. And I quickly found out that as I was reading these articles by from PETA, the Vegan Society, they had these roundup lists of, you know, 10 best vegan shoes or uh, five best vegan cheeses. And I assume that the, the brands that they presented there with the vegan cheese product or with the vegan shoes products were all vegan. They weren't. So I ended up purchasing animal-based items after I'd gone vegan and uh, ended up with a sore stomach and a frustrated uh, mental disposition. And I kind of vented to my wife, like, how in the world could they do this? And why would they release these kind of articles? Don't they know that there are people out me out there that are like me that aren't that smart? And we might think that everything is vegan. So like I say on my, in my bio with a mighty rant and a, a, a tiny tantrum, Kind Fine was born. So um, it's a newsletter or an email series because um, my ADHD brain just cannot handle <laughs> much more than that. And I procrastinated on it for quite a while. I had that on the back burner for like a year, year and a half, because I thought it needed to be this big grand experiment of a website and had all of these ideas, all of these different features that I wanted to release. And it just sat there. And then a good buddy of mine was like, hey, are you with that project that we talked about like 18 months ago? I'm like, well, it's still sitting there. It's like, well, what are you going to do with it? I think it's an awesome idea. And I said, well, I mean, I, I, I could release it as a newsletter. And he said, yes, do that now. So uh, February of this year, uh, actually Super Bowl Sunday, the Kind Find newsletter was launched. Um, I didn't plan it for it to be launched on Super Bowl Sunday. It's just kind of how it ended up. Um, so it's been a fun journey, um, small but growing community. And I'm looking forward to continuing to publish, you know, great content for people to enjoy. And I am definitely signed up for that. I wish I had more time to read every word of every issue, but I just love that you go across the spectrum of all the different kinds of companies. You don't just do food. I get a lot of food newsletters because that's where my focus is. It's nice to see that you're also doing things like fashion. Are you also doing per like body care, personal care? I don't remember. That's actually one of my upcoming newsletters. Yes. So I have a beauty newsletter coming out soon. And you would think, okay, well, uh, you said you're married. Um, and what do you know about beauty? Um, I know a decent amount about beauty from my wife um, and from being raised in a house with a mother who took very care of her, very good care of her uh, herself personally. So I have some thoughts, but I am enlisting some help um, with that particular uh, newsletter. But uh, yeah, I go across a broad spectrum of, of vegan products and brands and don't just, you know, hold myself to food or fashion or anything like that. It's whatever really interests me at that particular moment. And if this story is, is a good story to be able to tell. So when people sign up for Kind Find, in addition to the product recommendations, what else do they find inside your newsletter? Yeah, so the, the product recommendations are big. I wanted that to be kind of the primary driver, the main engine for, uh, for Kind Find, because it was hard for me to do a Google search and find vegan alternatives for, you know, traditional or classic products, because the Google algorithm favors, you know, these classic brands because they've been around forever. So when you do a search for Oreo alternatives, 
there's not a lot of great options that come up. You know, there's some of the bigger brands that are recognized and that show up. Um, and that's, and that's great. But, you know, the thought there is that I, I wanted to really um, highlight or spotlight some of the lesser known brands. And so that's the driver, that's the main engine. But in addition to that, I cover a lot of trends, plant-based and vegan trends. And I usually provide a chart and a little bit of analysis of that chart and some of the, tra- the trends that impact you know, our buying decisions as consumers, because I, I want to be well-informed. And I want to make sure that people that are reading the newsletter are also well-informed. And then I round that all out with uh, job listings, because all three of these areas impact uh, those who live vegan and plant-based lifestyles. You know, they want to work at eco-conscious companies. They don't want to be putting anything in their body that might be harmful to them. And they want to know what, what great brands or what good brands that they can actually purchase and, you know, broaden their horizons. So those are, those are kind of the aspects of the newsletter. And it usually ends up being a pretty long newsletter. So it's like 1700 words on average, but I have a lot to say. So it is what it is. Yeah, but that's an instant blog post. So you can't really complain about that. And frankly, as the nerd, I like the things that do a deep dive. I think all of the newsletters that I really read on a regular basis do a deep dive. Now you mentioned trends. What are some of the most interesting or exciting trends that you've discovered so far since you launched KindFind? Ooh, I think the one that stands out most to me is the plant-based seafood trend. Um, and that was sparked by my actually speaking with, uh, or when I say speaking, I actually mean we exchanged emails um, uh, with uh, Monica at the plant-based seafood company. And her story was really interesting. And I just so happened to, to really do a deep dive into that, just the destruction of the ocean and that particular biome. And that was a really interesting topic for me. And the fact that there are just still so very few plant-based seafood companies with products on the shelves right now. There are a lot that are under development, which is fantastic. There's just not a lot as far as options are concerned um, with plant-based seafood, but I think that that's a really interesting Um, trend within the vegan and the plant-based space right now. So I have a close eye on that, especially given that when I was eating animal products, I loved seafood. And it's funny because I'm also really interested in that. But before I was vegan, I actually didn't like seafood very much. I ate shrimp, but I couldn't stand fish. And I rarely ate tuna. But now that all the vegan seafood's coming out, I'm suddenly getting excited about seafood. I I mean, I interviewed Robin Simso from Revo Foods and I did not ever really like salmon. And now I'm like, but I want your your 3D printed salmon. So you can see how big of a deal it is if it's even getting somebody like me who hasn't touched seafood in, in years to want to try it. So I, I agree with that. That's a really exciting one. I'm also excited about mushrooms personally, but I would be because I'm a mushroom nerd. So. <laughs> yeah, I, mushrooms are, are great. I mean, I, I take um, functional mushrooms on a daily basis and love eating them as well. So there are a lot of... Uh, a lot of trends that there's a trend that's happening around the mushroom space as well. In particular, I'm looking forward to trying the uh, the mushroom bacon uh, or the mycelium bacon from uh, My Eats. So that'll be interesting. I haven't seen anybody anyone review that um, actually. So maybe I'll be able to get my hands on it and let everybody know how it tastes. You mentioned that you liked seafood before you went vegan and that you birthed Kind Find out of your early veganism. When did you go vegan and what got you interested in making the switch? Yeah, 2017, July of 2017 was actually when I went vegan. And 
it's very clear in my mind because it was after we watched What the Health, but that wasn't the first vegan or plant-based related documentary that we'd watched. We'd also watched Cowspiracy, uh, Forks Over Knives, and a few others that I'm probably forgetting right now. So this was kind of um, in the making for a while, but it's funny because the type of the type of meat eater I was was one of the like really I'm going to call myself the annoying type. No offense to anyone who at who's listening to your podcast who may be this way, but my wife tried to make me a BLT early on in our marriage, and I was like, "Wait, doesn't that stand for bacon, lettuce, and tomato?" And she said, "Yeah." I said, "Well." where's the meat? She said, the bacon's the meat, thus bacon, lettuce, and tomato. And I'm like, bacon's not a meat. Bacon is a meat topping, right? So I was like, I was one of those people who was like really into their meats and cheeses. And so if you'd asked me a decade ago, if I would ever be vegan, I would have told you no, but you know, uh, a slew of health problems, plus being about a hundred pounds overweight, um, led me down this path of, of veganism for health reasons. But I like to tell people I, I came for the health reasons or for the food and I stayed for the animals because I don't want to see any living being be harmed for my sake. Um, so it's been about four years since, um, since I went vegan along with my wife. We did a cold turkey. Uh, I know that's not the usual path for people, but we watched What the Health and we got rid of all of our animal-based products like the next day. And we were completely plant-based after that. Um, so it's been quite a journey. Um, and during that journey, I lost about 100 pounds and got in the best shape of my life. Um, so it's definitely been an interesting journey um, and just looking forward to, to seeing what the future holds, not just for, for us health-wise, but for you know the plant-based and vegan industries. That is a fantastic story. I love hearing people's transition stories. And one of my favorite things about doing the podcast is hearing people's like founder stories and their transition stories. It always fascinates me. A lot of the times I hear the same thing too. I watched Cowspiracy. I watched Force Over Knives. I watched What the Health. It's amazing to see how just like a handful of documentaries can make such a big impact. Now, when you guys went vegan, what were the things that you had the most difficulty finding at first that maybe now you're helping people find with KindFind? Yeah, you know, that's that's a really good question. So I mentioned plant-based seafood. That's definitely one of them. Uh, but alternative dairy replacements that are really good. I think that there are a lot of replacements that are out there. And I'm just being honest, they're not all great. Um, so helping them find options that are really good. So Big fan of BioLife, big fan of Follow Your Heart. Um, there's one that's only commercially available or um, in the restaurant industry currently available, Please Cheese. I cannot wait to get my taste buds around Please Cheese. So um, so that's another big one is, is dairy replacements. Because whenever I talk about being vegan, first thing that I hear is that, you know, I could give up meat, but cheese, oh my God, there's no way I could give up cheese or milk. And so I, I relish the challenge of helping them to find a replacement that could, you know, stand in for their animal-based cheese. So that one's always a good one, and, and milk as well. Um, but milk is a little milk is a little easier. The cheese part is is hard to find. 
It's funny you should mention please because I just recently interviewed Kobe for this podcast and we talked pizza and cheese and I expressed a similar sentiment. I'm like, when am I going to be able to get this this cheese, you know, in my mouth? Because I don't know if you follow him on LinkedIn, but it's just like pizza pictures all the time. Makes you hungry. <laughs> it, it, I follow him and he does it to me every time that I'm scrolling through and I'm like, why do you torture me? Why? Like I'm nowhere near New York City. There's no way I could get a slice and there's nothing around here that's even remotely close. So yeah, it's it's a bit torturous. So I'll have to talk to him about that. <laughs> like stop popping pizza up in my feed. I know, right? But then then at the same time, it's like like you said, is you want to be able to discover these products. So it's kind of that catch-22. It's like, now I, now I want this, but I can't have it yet. But someday. You mentioned that you actually have a larger kind of umbrella company. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how you're contributing to improving the food landscape and just the vegan experience through that? I, I don't know exactly how I'm improving the food landscape so much because I don't actually have a, a CPG product, but what Kindco does is it supports those who have CPG products, right? Who have plant-based and vegan CPG products. One of the biggest challenges that any startup or any company or any startup has is getting the word out, right? Growth, revenue, um, and then repeat business. Those are really big, you know, sticking points with most companies and businesses. So what, uh, what Kindco is focused on is helping to drive that growth, right? So with the newsletter, there are links that click through to um, the websites of these companies. And so one thing I didn't mention is that uh, Kindvine is very specifically focused in Kindco in general. Is very focused on direct-to-consumer. We're focused on direct-to-consumer because of the inherent accessibility issues with plant-based and vegan foods. So if you live in a large city on either coast, you're usually pretty good. You have some access if you have a, a car to be able to drive to a grocery store that carries some options. But if you live in the middle of nowhere um, or if you live in a city that doesn't have access, then you don't have access to those foods. But with direct-to-consumer companies, every single person in the, in the States has a doorstep, right? No matter where you live or what you live in, you have a doorstep and those products can be delivered to you, which is fantastic. So really the focus is helping direct-to-consumer companies that offer vegan and plant-based products to thrive. That's the mission. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. From a very selfish perspective, the longer that they're around, the more good food that I have to eat, right? So there's this, there's kind of this intrinsic motivator for me that if I can do things in order to help this company stick around, I'll have this food option for way longer. I don't want to see plant-based or vegan companies shutter their doors, right? So um, that's the overarching goal, but I mentioned Kind Find, I mentioned Kind Work, we're about to launch a third project and there are other projects in the works, all of them supporting vegan and plant-based businesses in some way, shape or form, whether it's through finding talent that understand the mission and the goal of your company and who love your product and want to work at your company or whether that's driving traffic to your website that can then purchase your product and help lift your sales overall. It's all about the consumer, but also about the businesses, the entrepreneurs behind the brands. 
which is why I love what you're doing, because that is a similar thing to what I try to do when I do content strategy. I like that you have a way to do it under this big umbrella and do it at a larger scale with so many companies that you're helping. What would you say as some advice that you would give to these direct-to-consumer CPG brands that are looking for that longevity, just based on the trends that you're seeing and the work that you've done so far? The biggest thing that I'm seeing is the website experience, right? Um, website design is, is, is great. That's one facet of it, making sure that your website looks good, but it has to serve your customer, has to serve the visitor well. And I've come across some of the most beautiful websites that load so slowly, or the checkout process is just so painful to go through that you'll have people who abandon your cart. And if you're spending advertising dollars on getting that person to your website, well, that's money that's down the drain. So having that good user experience, so a really fluid checkout flow, I think is, is really critical. And then making sure that that product gets, you know, delivered on time, but there's a lot, a lot of complexity in the logistics of delivery and 3PL and all of that stuff, right? But that design is, is critical um, and making sure that people can get from one part of your website to another part of your website in as few clicks as possible. So that's, that's really from a, a, a web perspective, kind of the secret to longevity um, as a DTC brand, um, because that's the main way that people interact with your brand. I would add to that, make sure it also works really well on mobile and that if you have a flow from somewhere like social media directly to your website, minimize the amount of time people have to spend going from the call to action to final product. I, I, I say this as a consumer even, not as a marketer, <laughs> but I, I thank you for bringing that up. I don't think a lot of people think about that. They're just like, I want to sell my products. And I think for some of the smaller brands too, it's whatever's available. A lot of them are using what's easiest, something like Shopify, and then they get stuck with that card experience and don't have an alternative. There's a lot involved. <laughs> Yeah, there is a lot involved in, and Shopify is definitely um, the 800 pound gorilla in the room as far as, you know, um, e-commerce experiences are, are concerned. There's other players out there as well. I'm a big fan of Webflow. Um, their e-commerce product isn't perfect, but it's really good. Like it's, it's almost there. Um, so I'm a big fan and a big proponent of web, Webflow. Um, and yeah, making that experience as fluid as possible on mobile first and then desktop second because people spend so much time shopping on their mobile phones and their mobile devices. Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely fallen into that trap as a millennial. I didn't used to, I resisted, but now it's just like, oh, here's my phone. It's, a <laughs> it's so easy. It's like right there, right? So how could you not? And if the web experience is good on your mobile, it's like, man, why do I need to pull out my laptop or, or go to my desktop? Why do I even need to be home? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can do everything on the go. I think one of the most innovative things and one of the most dangerous things that could have ever happened in web technology is the one-click purchase that Amazon <laughs> initiated. I mean, it, that is dangerous. I mean, you can buy whatever you need in like 15 seconds or less, but it's so convenient. 
Let's talk about convenience for a second, since that's part of what it sounds like you're doing through KindFind. Do you find that curating these things is making things easier, not only for consumers, but also for brands? What kind of feedback have you been getting on the fact that you are able to curate and just dump this in people's inboxes rather than them having to go through that whole experience that you went through with spending hours Googling? Yeah, I've gotten a lot of good feedback um, when it comes to the the consumer end um, because, again, it gets delivered right to your inbox. You don't have to go searching for it. It just shows up once a week, um, which is exactly what I wanted. So I've gotten a lot of great feedback there um, from the uh, from the actual company end. I've gotten great feedback from there. I actually just had a chat with uh, Caroline at uh, Renewal. Um, a renewal mills. Um, so that was a, a great conversation. She really liked, you know, what kind find is doing. So I hear that kind of feedback on a, on a regular basis. And again, you don't have to go Googling for it. You don't have to worry about typing in a search and what's going to come back. And honestly, when you do type in a search, there's so little that comes back, right? So little that, that vegans and, and plant-based eaters um, would be concerned with anyway. So, you know, that was the goal to was curation, but add a little bit of personal flair to it as well. And it seems to be working out pretty well. Uh, Like I said, I've gotten some great feedback thus far. Yeah, the personal angle I find really helps too, because it gives people something to connect with to say, yeah, I've been there. Oh, or I really like what he said about this, or that resonates with me. The personalization is, well, we see it in food, we see it in marketing, we see it in shopping. So why not in content, which is super important? Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that um, the days of the disembodied, disconnected brand are are long over, right? And actually knowing who the people are behind the name is, is critical. It makes me think of employment, how resumes are really geared towards your skills and your talent but you don't really know who that person is until you hire them. Sometimes you get an inkling of what that person's like from their social media. Um, and on the rare occasion, you know everything about that person from social media, but uh, we don't really get that in-depth look into a person's life before we hire them. And in the past, we rarely got an in-depth look into how companies do things, right? There was very little transpar- transparency, it was very opaque. Um, despite calls for transparency, but especially younger generations like, like like ours and younger, it's all about transparency and being able to know what's going into the products that we purchase and knowing who's behind those products. And we have an option now to really choose which products we buy and vote for, cast or vote for those products in that particular sense um, with our wallets, right? We vote with our dollars and that's pretty awesome. And we have the ability to choose brands that are transparent and, you know, shun those that aren't transparent. So it's pretty cool in that respect. Technology is awesome. Yeah, I agree. And especially now with the direct to consumer, you can go direct to those brands that you really want to shop with. Do you have any standout brands or standout entrepreneurs that really resonated with you as you've been going through kind find you mentioned having some conversations with people anybody really stand out to you i'd have to say atlas monroe specifically deborah torres and uh, the rest of the atlas monroe team they really stood out for what it is that they're doing um, with their vegan fried chicken 
Um, when I read the story that they entered a national chicken competition as the only vegan entry and then beat out every other competitor, my jaw dropped. I was like, wow, okay. I want to know more about this company. I want to know more about the founders behind it. And I want to know more about the product itself. So that really stood out. And then, you know, come to find out that this is just, it was like it was written, right? It was written that this was supposed to happen because Deborah is just this amazing person who graduated from high school early and graduated from college early. And it's just this driven individual who, despite all of the challenging circumstances that she's encountered in her life and that her family's encountered, makes it to Shark Tank, turns down a million dollar offer from Mark Cuban. I mean, who does that? And then proceeds to thrive, um, purchasing their own warehouse um, as a result of that exposure and then just really killing it. Um, so Deborah stood out. Um, I think I mentioned uh, Monica at the plant-based seafood company. She also stands out as well. There's just so many people that stand out to me. And I think that the stories are what really separate and differentiate some of these brands because eventually there will be dozens, if not hundreds of seafood brands, plant-based seafood brands. Same when it comes to fried chicken brands, but it's those, it's those stories that are going to be the differentiators moving forward and that transparency that we talked about just a moment ago. So listen up brands that are listening, startups, entrepreneurs, don't be afraid to tell your brand story and be transparent and be truly authentic, not the strange, fake, cultivated authentic a lot of people try for. This keeps coming up a lot. I hear this a lot when I get into discussions on Clubhouse is about having that brand personality and not being afraid to really run with it and let people see what's going on. Because as we were saying, it really helps people resonate with these products. Yeah, it does. And we can sniff out fake a mile away, right? So be authentic that, <laughs> you know, everybody else is taken. So just be you. I've heard that phrase so many times and it's so true. Um, so yes, please be authentic because we can tell when you're not. And it's so funny because I would say for 10 or 15 years, I've been saying to people, we got to stop putting on this front and faking it. We got to just put ourselves out there, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I would say up until about four or five years ago, I still got pushback about that. Oh no, we have to, in this situation, this is the way we have to be. In this situation, this is the way we have to be. And I'm like, look, I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt unless I absolutely can't get away with it and I'm just going to be me and that's going to be what works. And now suddenly everybody's embracing it. So I guess maybe I was before my time. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I, I find it very interesting that um, the, the cultural shift around that. And I think we have a lot, we owe a lot to the tech industry because I feel like they've normalized t-shirt and jeans uh, as kind of like the standard work attire now. So it's it's pretty cool. I, I do appreciate that. Um, seems like it's it's a little slower to take hold in some other industries. I feel like it's it's starting to infiltrate CPG, kind of like remote work. I know that there are you know physical plants and manufacturing facilities where people actually have to go into locations, but for some of the uh, you know tech related or marketing related jobs, you don't have to be in a single location, you know, things like that, trends like that 
kind of slow to move across different industries, but it's happening. And I think that it's awesome. So thanks for pioneering that, Sam. Appreciate it. I wish I could actually take credit for it, but so I'm sure somebody who's listening to the podcast is going to shoot me a message or say, oh no, this is where that started. And if you pioneered that, please email me. I'd love to talk to you. So we're, we're talking of trends. What do you, now that you've discovered a lot of these brands, you've highlighted a lot of these brands, you're expanding your kind umbrella of, of projects here. What do you think needs to be the next big focus area as we're moving into the future of food? And as you said, trends are infiltrating other places and plant-based is one of them. Where should we be focusing? Yeah, I, from my perspective, because I do focus on direct-to-consumer, it's got to be accessibility. Um, I, I don't, like I said, I don't sell a, a CPG product per se. So, you know, it's hard to say where the actual food trends themselves should go. But as somebody who's very heavily involved in, you know, the accessibility component of things, I would love to see more companies offering direct to consumer. And I'd love to see more people, more brands getting into the direct to consumer space. Um, I applaud brands like Alpha Foods and Miyoko's who have recently gone direct to consumer. You know, this pandemic has, has really changed things for the worse, but also at the same time, there's this silver lining of changing things for the better. As far as accessibility is concerned, it has definitely taxed the logistics infrastructure of our country, um, but I think that people are finding their way forward, which is fantastic. So I would love to see accessibility um, become uh, the way forward for, um, for plant-based and vegan foods and, um, you know, along those lines, it would be great to see companies and governments start to incentivize plant-based entrepreneurship. You know, we have subsidies and we have grants for renewable energy, hybrid cars, electric cars, farming, and all kinds of things. And I'd love to see grants for plant-based businesses, tax cuts, startup capital, favorable loan terms, um, you know, just something uh, that doesn't leave the responsibility just to private companies. So, I mean, those are two two big things that I'd like to see as far as like the future of plant-based foods and vegan foods or, or in vegan um, products in general. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully that future is just on the horizon. We'll see. Like you said, we will see. And I, I think that the trends are moving in a direction where people are recognizing that there's a greater return on investment for things like plant-based and for things like sustainable brands, because you're not just, you know, say we did give grants or subsidies or something, you're not just investing in a product, you're investing in something that's going to change the entire infrastructure of the food system. And like you said, it even influence logistics. Yeah. And, and that's the point is that if we're looking for real change, it's going to have to start with where we're making our investments, right? Um, I mentioned accessibility and incentives, but there are just there's so many areas that we could have an impact on the future of food, particularly, you know, our our food habits start when we're young. And there are programs within schools, especially in Europe now, where there are vegan lunch plans or meal plans or plant based meal plans for for kids. But it's not doesn't really exist here in the states there's another opportunity for that so there's there's just all of these opportunities to impact the future of food um and it remains to be seen you know what types of impacts that uh that our country will will have on not just the future of, of food but the future really of this country so 
um, it'll be interesting to to watch. And it's a really exciting time to be in this space. Agreed. I am blown away by what's happening just every single day, the way that the news just rolls along. You get just one to three newsletters and you'll see everything that's exploding and including Kind Find. It's amazing. Well, thanks. I'm I'm glad that I've been able to to start this these projects in the middle of uh, of a really interesting time in human history. Um, and, and I'm so thankful to have so many people behind me, supporting me, supporting um, the future of, of food, the future of um, direct-to-consumer, CPG. It's just, it's been awesome. I was hoping for this kind of outpouring and to see it come to fruition has just been beyond my wildest dreams. So I couldn't ask for anything more at this moment. I will definitely ask you after how people can get in touch with you. But first, I'd like to ask the, the big question that I ask everybody as I wrap up an episode. You started to touch on this. If you had unlimited power and resources at your disposal and you could bring about any change in our modern food system, what would it be? Yeah, that is that is a great question. And I think that and I, I gave this a lot of thought supply chain. It's huge, right? Sourcing of the food, where it comes from, um, whether or not it's GMO, organic, or otherwise, how the food gets to us, the packaging that we use in order to ship the food, whether it's sustainable. I mean, all of this is, is has to do with a sustainable future. And if I had the power to change anything, I would love to affect um, supply, right, in logistics, in you know, change that for the better, because I feel like from there, just about anything is possible. Including that accessibility you were talking about. Absolutely, especially the accessibility. As someone who has experienced numerous issues with last mile delivery logistics, I'm on board. <laughs> Definitely on board with that. We need we need to have that last piece of the puzzle put together and it would it would fix food waste too, which could be another completely different conversation. I, but the wheels are turning. You've got me thinking. Yeah, well, I'm I'm happy. I've I've been uh, fortunate enough to to have some time to think about some of these issues and where I might be able to have an impact. So, could be in the future that you see another kind co project that has to do with this very topic. Well, I will be keeping an eye out on everything that you're doing. And how can people who are listening do the same? Where can they find you, sign up for your newsletter, connect on social media? Yeah, absolutely. So you can connect with me on social media, uh, LinkedIn. Just search my name, Colin with two L's, Tate. Um, you can find me on Twitter as well. I'm on Twitter less than I am on LinkedIn. It just happens to be that that's where all of the brands are. They're on LinkedIn, as well as a lot of my subscribers as well. Um, so LinkedIn and Twitter are the primary ways to contact me. You can also search any of the brands that I mentioned, Kind Find, Kind Work, uh, and Kind Co. So they're all on, on LinkedIn. And uh, as far as uh, signing up for the newsletter, if you just go to kindfind.co, you'll find uh, the newsletter. And kindwork.co, you'll find the job board. So um, stay tuned as more projects are released. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to releasing those soon. And everything will be in the show notes for people to click right through so they can check everything out and delve into what you've been doing. So thank you so much for what you're doing with your kind brands and your kind projects. And thanks for bringing your insights to the podcast. 
Thanks so much for having me. It's been great speaking with you. Another big thanks to Colin for being on the podcast. Really enjoyed talking with him, and I really enjoy his Kind Find newsletter. I've also checked out Kind Work. It's a really great job board. It's easy to browse. It's easy to narrow down the categories. So if you're looking for a position at a plant-based or vegan company, I would say definitely check that out. You can find a link to Kind Co, Kind Find, and Kind Work in the show notes for this episode. Remember, if you liked it, please give us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes of the Modern Health Nerd podcast. If you'd like more nerdy plant-based insights and plant-based info, you can head over to modernhealthnerd.com news to sign up for weekly updates. That's all for this week. I will see you next week for another episode of the Modern Health Nerd podcast. Until then, stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.